Uh, I'd like to apologize this morning to all of our Daniel Fast people because today we're going to be looking at a text of scripture where Jesus is serving fish and chips <laughs> from Capale. It's worth the drive, I'm telling you. Uh, someone asked if after the Daniel fast we could do a series on the wedding feast. <laughs> Won't tell you who that was, uh, but she does work at the church, but we'll leave it at that. Best line I've heard so far during the Daniel fast is a couple in the church who are doing this together, and uh, in the morning, the wife called back to the husband, are you going to get out of bed? And he replied, but what for? <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. Like, there's no coffee, there's no bacon, there's no eggs. Just stay here. And I just thought that was hilarious. Actually, the fast is going fantastic, and we've got one week to go. Yes, yeah, so we got her made now. We're cruising now, no problem. And before we get too far here into the message, uh, Easter is just two Sundays away, and we'd love for us all, the congregation, all of us, all y'all, uh, to be thinking about and praying about uh, a special Easter offering. If you come here to Month of Weston often, you know that we don't talk uh, about money very often. We don't say a lot about money. Some Sundays we even forget to tell you we're taking an offering. And uh, all you heard about an offering this morning was a little tag on the end of, end of Liz's prayer. That's, that's generally all that you hear. And uh, so if you hear around the city, well, all they do there is talk about money, um, you can, you can uh, help them understand uh, that's not really how it is. Um, so I'll say more about this next Sunday, but April is the end of the church year. The Wesleyan church year is, is, is weird, to be honest. And uh, April is the end of our church year, so we're just kind of, we're on the home stretch here now. And, uh, and so we generally, each year, uh, this time of year, come to you uh, for an Easter offering. Uh, our giving has been, has dipped uh, in January, February, and March. It has been down, and so a great Easter offering would be really good to help us catch up on budget. When giving is under budget, ministries are underfunded, right? That's, that's, that's you just have to take it away from, from what we're doing. So we'd love to have an extra over-the-top offering on Easter Sunday uh, to help us reach our budget, to help us finish the year uh, well and responsible. Uh, don't forget that giving is an act of worship that God blesses, and it ultimately helps us to see more baptisms like we saw with uh, Jenny this morning. Wasn't that exciting, her, her story and her baptism? Wow, it was awesome. Well, this is week two of our, of our Easter series, The Invitation, because Easter is an invitation. It's an invitation for you to look inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that Jesus is alive. And we're going to be back in the book of Mark again this week, uh, Mark chapter 6, where Jesus turns five loaves of bread and two fish into an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet for several thousand people. And this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four of the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hold the horse till I get on. That's how I learned it. So it's, math, it's uh, Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. 
Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men, and their families were fed from those loaves. Mark sets up the scene for us by telling us that the disciples had just gotten back from a short-term missions trip. They were exhausted and elated. When they returned from their mission for Jesus, they are restored by having time with Jesus. And Jesus invites them to retreat with him. He's teaching them the discipline of just being with Jesus being in his presence. You see, we can get so busy doing for Jesus that we forget about being with Jesus. Don't get so busy in all that you're doing for him that you forget about being with him, which is a part of this Daniel fast that we're on about just, just being with Jesus. The goal of a relationship with Jesus is Jesus. The goal is always more Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, then Jesus must be the goal. If all you get from a 21-day Daniel fast is a, is a heightened awareness of the presence of God in your life, that's enough. It's, it's been worth it. More Jesus is, is worth everything. And there might be miracles, and there might be answers to prayer, and there might be battles won, and there might be chains broken, but the real goal, when it's all said and done, is more Jesus. Our tendency, I think, for I'm like this, maybe you are, is to get so busy that we tell ourselves that God is in the busy with me and God understands. I'll catch up with God later, but it would just be counterproductive for me to, to stop what I'm doing right now and take time out to be with Jesus. These guys had just come off the most exciting adventure of their lives. Jesus had empowered them. Jesus had, had given them authority over evil spirits. He had, he had sent them out to village after village to, to preach that the Messiah had come. He had empowered them to do many miracles in his name. And Mark tells us that, that people were coming and going, and it's just, it's just kind, of a, kind of a zoo scene there. It's very, very crowded and all of that. So many people coming and going, and they were so busy, Mark tells us, that they didn't even have time to eat. 
And so Jesus, by, by pulling them away and saying, come on, let's go spend some time together, he's teaching them that, that productivity doesn't just come from activity. Productivity doesn't just come from being busy. It doesn't just come from activity. Let me say it this way. When you've got a busy day, think about it like this. You have so much to do today that you'd better spend some time with Jesus or you won't get it all done. Think of it that way. Or you have so many decisions to make today that you better know the mind of Christ to, to, make, to be making the right decisions. Or you have so many meetings to face today that you better meet Jesus face to face or you're going to let people down. Time with Jesus is not downtime. Time with Jesus is power time. It's, it's, it's where we get our life. It's everything. And so Mark says that Jesus had been, earlier in this chapter, in chapter 6, he tells us that Jesus had been going from village to village, teaching people, healing people, and changing lives. And then Mark tells us that he sent the 12 out, the 12 disciples, and they were doing the same. And they must have had an awesome missions trip, because Mark tells us in, in verse 12 of chapter 6 that they cast out many demons, and they healed many, of the, of many sick people in Jesus' name. And so it's no surprise that there's, there's a large crowd, there's massive amounts of people who are, who are following Jesus and they're wanting more of his teaching. They're wanting more of Jesus. They had never heard anything like Jesus. They'd never seen anything like Jesus. And still, to this moment right here this morning, there is no teaching like the teaching of Jesus and if we will open our lives to his teaching, if we will open our, our minds and our hearts and our lives to it, that the teaching of Jesus and the presence of Jesus has the power to radically transform our lives and make us into all that God has created us to be. Now, this, this is rural Galilee. David Way and I have been there. We've, we've seen this. And uh, about a year from now, I hope to go back to Israel. And if you want to go, we'll take you there. This is rural Galilee, a village uh, in, this, in this part of the world. It's probably 1,000 people, uh, maybe as many as 3,000 people, but it's, they're not very big villages. And Mark says in this one gathering of people who have crowded around to, to hear Jesus that there were 5,000 men plus women and children in the crowd. So this is a, this is a huge crowd. The crowd anticipates where Jesus is going to be. And when he comes to the shore, they are waiting for him. In other words, put yourself in the right place at the right time so that you can have an encounter with Jesus. I don't know if you, if you, if you follow that or not, but Jesus takes the disciples and says, come on, let's go to a quiet place. And so they, they leave the crowd, but the, but the crowd can see where they're going, and the crowd follows them, and, and Jesus sees the crowd so, so when Jesus comes ashore again, there the crowd is. In other words, put yourself in a place, in the right place at the right time, so that you can have an encounter with Jesus. That might be, that might be this moment here right now this morning. We make it easy for you. Sundays at 1030. Every Sunday at 1030. You can put yourself in the right place at the right time where you can have an encounter with Jesus. Um, we're going to be launching uh, a new monthly night of worship and prayer. 
You should be anticipating that. And when you hear us promoting it, you should run to it so that when Jesus walks in the room, you're there and you're ready to receive a word from him. Let's go back to verse 34. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. He sees the crowd, and he has compassion on the crowd. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's a time when we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. And when he comes down the hill from the, from the Mount of Olives, riding on a borrowed donkey, and he, and he looks up at the city of Jerusalem there in front of him, he weeps for the city of Jeru Jerusalem, and he has compassion for his people. There's something here in the compassion of Jesus that I believe God wants to speak to us this morning. I hope that you hear this, this word, compassion. I hope that, that God gets through to us this morning about the compassion of Jesus. We can never lose our compassion for our city and our community and our crowd who need to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. So just press in on this for a moment with me. I, I, I'm asking you to open your heart this morning to the compassion of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to reawaken your compassion for for, for spiritually lost people to reawaken compassion in us today. We're quick to, uh, to shake our heads at people. Oh, it's awful. We're quick to, to shake our fist at people. What about letting God shake us and awaken us to his compassion for people? The text tells us that Jesus and his disciples were tired, they were hungry, they were needing rest, and Jesus, when he comes ashore and there's a huge crowd, he is not annoyed by the constant needs of people. He's not disgusted that his quiet time has been interrupted and ruined. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They're people who need direction. They're, they're lives without purpose. They are not being led to the truth. They are wandering, or worse, they're being led astray. You weren't created to be both sheep and shepherd in your life. You weren't created to be both sheep and shepherd in your life. And the, 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 the imagery of, of sheep and shepherd is throughout the Bible. Because God knows if, if we're not focused on the good shepherd, if we don't have a good shepherd leading and guiding our lives, we'll wander. We'll get a nibble of something that is not on the right path for us. You know what I'm talking about. You'll get a nibble, a whiff of something that is, that is off track for your life, and it only starts with a nibble, a whiff, and before you know it, you're separated from the flock. You're, you're away, you're, you're far from where you know you're supposed to be, where you want to be. You're separated from the good shepherd. And God knows when we do that, we're easy prey for the enemy who roams around like a lion looking for whom he might devour. But when we're together, when we're together as, as a flock and under the guidance of Jesus, we're safe and he will lead us where he can feed us. The Greek word here for compassion in verse 34 
uh, it means a deep, deep love mixed with, with mercy and empathy. A deep love mixed with mercy and empathy. It's a love that not only sees a need, but it wa- it's a love that wants to do something about it. A love with, with action. David said this in Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. There it is. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. How many of you are thankful this morning that the Lord is slow to get angry? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And we're thankful for his unfailing love. And we're thankful for his compassion on us. And we're thankful that he is a merciful Merciful God. That's exactly what we see in Jesus as he steps out of this boat and faces the crowd with compassion in his heart. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God showed his great love, his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God is a compassionate God. He cares deeply for you. He sees every person in this room this morning. He sees your need, and he is compassionate towards you. He is merciful towards you, wanting to to step into your life the way that he stepped into that crowd, wanting to teach you and guide you and lead you and feed you as the good shepherd of your life. Lord, help us not to be so proud. Help me not to be so proud that I stop seeing the needs of others. Help us to not be so consumed with our own lives and our own needs and what we'll eat and where, we'll, where we will rest that we don't see the needs of the crowd all around us. God, give us, Moncton Wesleyan, a bold compassion that pours out into the lives of people all around us that they would, that they would taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Disciples come. uh, uh, Jesus, um, the sun is going down and Swiss Chalet is closed. And we've got several thousand people out here in the boonies and uh, Jesus, this is a bit of a problem. They see the problem through their own eyes. And so they see the solution through their own, through their own eyes. If all you see are your problems, you're going to have a hard time seeing godly solutions. If all you're focused on in your life is the problems and all the things that are wrong, you're going to have a hard time finding or seeing godly solutions. And if you see needy people as the problem, you might be the problem. The disciples want to shut it down. They're like, it's over, it's over, shut it down, send everybody home. They want to dismiss the problem. They would rather avoid a crisis altogether than, than, than wait on God and see See what God wants to do. What is God's plan for this? What, is, what does God want to do? How many times in our own lives do we miss 
an act of God because we, because we just dismiss the problem. You see, if, if, if we were writing this, I love the way that Mark writes this because he, he lets us see the, 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 huma, the human side of the disciples. They're like, this is a problem. Everybody go home. There's no solution here. You got you to go home. I love the way that Mark writes it because, because if I was writing this, if we were writing this, you know, we'd be tempted to, to make the, the disciples look like spiritual giants. It's getting late, but God has got to do something great. You know, we'd, we'd write it that way. There is no food, but God has got to do something good, you know. I can't see it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm just going to stay in this crisis and watch the miraculous hand of God do the impossible right before my eyes. That's not what they do. They go to Jesus and they say, Houston, we have a problem. And Mark shows us their lack of faith, their hesitancy to believe that God always has a plan, and we do this. I do this, hesitant to believe that, that it's in God's hands. There's no crisis here with God. God probably has a plan. And before we ever come to Jesus, we've, we've already decided that it, it's a crisis. And by the way, Jesus, we've already decided what we're going to do about it. We're not asking for God's help. We're just telling God it's a train wreck. It's a gong show. It's hopeless. Shut it down and call it a day. And we do that in our own lives. I, I've got a crisis. And, and there's just no way out of this thing. Verse 38. Jesus says, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. So what Jesus does here, he takes the focus off of what they don't have puts the focus on to what they do have. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's like, what, what do you have? Don't tell me what you don't have. Tell me, what, tell me what you do have. Go take an inventory of all that you have, and then come to me with what you have, not with what you don't have. I'm, I'll say it. I'm good at going to Jesus with what I don't have. God, here's all the things that I don't have. Here are all the problems that I have in my life. Here's all the crisis. Here are all the things, Lord, that I don't have. How often do I come to Jesus with what I do have? I just say, Lord, I found this. I got, I got some of this. When you need God to do a miracle of multiplication in your life, do you come to him with what you have or with what you don't have? Now, follow this. I think this makes sense. I hope so because it's my main point. I'm hoping. You can't have what you don't have until Jesus has all that you have. Does that make sense? <laughs> Keep clapping, I'll have a drink. We're going to starve to death. We're going to die out here in this field. There's, there's like 10,000 people and it's, it's awful. And what we don't have is we need, we need a miracle of God. And Jesus says, go, 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 go find what you do have and bring me that. And then you can have, then I'll bless it. You can't have what you don't have until Jesus has all that you have. Holding and, and hiding and hoarding 
If, if there was no bread and no fish, if the, if the people decided we're going to hold on to what we have, we're going to hide what we have, we're going to hoard what we have, it just leads to chaos and starvation. Everyone loses when we hold back on God. Everyone. Everyone thrives. Everyone thrives when we give God our all. Your potential goes exponential when you give it all to Jesus. And out of this massive crowd, I find this interesting, out of this massive crowd, 5,000 men, just the men, and all of their families. So how many people is that? Four million. Out of this massive crowd, because everybody had like 17 kids, right? Out of this massive crowd, all they could scrape up was five loaves and two fish. Obviously, people didn't know the church was going to go a little long that day. They didn't know. Only two or three families thought, maybe, maybe we should take something with us just in case. The other reality is that, really, these people didn't have much. Food was scarce. Money was tight. They lived very simple, meager lives. So, Think about this. If it's getting late and you're far from home and you've got your kids in tow with you and someone approaches you asking you for all the food you have left because Jesus needs it, what is your response? Well, tell Jesus he better go fishing. Like, what is your response? You know, all I have is this. For my little family. And, and you, so you, you want me to, to give it to Jesus? Now watch this. The compassion of Jesus for the people. The obedience of the disciples to go. and doesn't make any sense, but yeah, we'll go. We'll go do what you asked us to do. The compassion of Jesus, the obedience of the disciples... The generosity of the few, here it is, Jesus, you can have everything we have, results in a miracle for many. And there's something in that. Compassion plus obedience plus generosity equals multiplication. Compassion for people, obedience, our obedience to Jesus, generosity and sacrificial giving, Blessed and multiplied by Jesus. Now, what could happen, gang? What could happen? What could God do in our city? In, in all of greater Moncton, wherever all y'all live. What could happen? If we opened our lives, if we opened our hearts to the compassion of Jesus, if we started caring and, and loving and having a genuine burden for spiritually lost people. Following that up with obedience. God, we'll, we'll, we'll do what you ask us to do. Even if it doesn't make sense, we'll go where you want us to go. Putting our hands and our feet to our compassion. Serving our community with love. Going where Jesus tells us to go, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it's bold or requires us to humble ourselves. Even if it's awkward or embarrassing. And then giving Jesus our all. 
not holding back, not squirreling everything away for our own benefit, but making personal sacrifices. Here it is, God, it's all yours, so that others might taste and see that God is good. What could happen? What could happen? Verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And he also divided the fish for everyone to share. And I'm going to read verse 42 on top of that. They all ate as much as they wanted. Many of you have heard me talk about being at a, a conference in Dallas, Texas one year. And uh, the Bishop T.D. Jakes was one of the speakers. And Bishop Jakes was preaching a sermon on Luke chapter 24, where two of Jesus' followers are walking towards Emmaus right after the, the resurrection. And the resurrected Jesus steps into their conversation and walks with them, and they don't recognize him. And it's not until they stop for dinner and Jesus takes the bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it. And it's in that sequence that their eyes are open, and they see Jesus for who he really is. And we see that sequence again here in Mark chapter 6, verse 41, where he, he took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it. It's a foreshadow of their last supper together when Jesus uses the bread and the cup to illustrate to them the ultimate sacrifice of his body and his blood and, and to, to show them the depth of God's love for them. God took his son out of heaven, blessed him, and sent him into our world as our Savior, broke him on the cross of Calvary, poured him out, as an offering and gave him to us as our rescuer, our redeemer, and our sustainer. It's repeated over and over and over in scripture when God takes someone and he blesses them with vision and favor, but before he can use them, he breaks them. There's a, a crisis that they go through. There's a, there's a fire or a lion or a furnace, a pharaoh, a flood, a prison, an army, a plague, barrenness, hunger, wandering, temptation. And when they come out of their brokenness with their limp and their scar of their, their lessons learned with God, that's when God is really ready to use them. That's when he gives them to be used for his glory. Now, if you're in a season of brokenness this morning, maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, wow, Pastor Tim, God is breaking me and he's breaking me good. Maybe you're in that season today. I want to tell you, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. If God has given you a dream, but you find yourself in a place that is far away from the vision that you first saw, don't give up. God is going to use your brokenness. What you are going through is God's way of getting through to you and your story. God will use your story to bless others, to lead them to Jesus, and to ultimately give God the glory. Verse 42, Mark says that they ate all that they wanted. When you feast with Jesus, 
in the presence of Jesus on what the Lord has provided for you, you'll be satisfied. You'll have all that you want. How do we battle against the cravings of our old nature? By feasting with Jesus. How do we win the battle over temptation and the lures of sin? By feasting with Jesus. He's all that we need. He satisfies. He fills our longings. He nourishes. He completes us. If you want to change your life, if you want to break free from repeated lapses of, of judgment, you need more Jesus in your life. He will lead you where he can feed you. He will take your potential and he will do something exponential. Don't focus on all that you don't have. Bring him your best and watch the miracle of multiplication as Jesus blesses you and uses your obedience to impact the lives of others. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to say again this morning that I love you, and I thank you, God, for your presence that's here in this room right now, and I thank you, God, for your word that is alive, and it, and it comes alive in our hearts. Uh, it, it never returns void. It's powerful, Lord, and it, and it cuts to the very core of our, of our soul, of our being, and Lord, I just pray this morning that you would help us today as a congregation to just uh, be wide open to, the, to you and more of you and your spirit and your presence in our lives. Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us, that you would give us a fresh compassion, that you would reawaken uh, compassion for others in our hearts, in our lives, in this in this season, especially, Lord, as we approach Easter and we're praying, God, that you would help us to, to reach hundreds and hundreds of others for Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts for people who don't know you, for the masses, for the crowds, for the thousands, for the one person, Lord, maybe who sits beside us or in the cubicle next to us or the person uh, in our family, maybe right under our same roof. God, give us a compassion for people who are far from you. Lord, I pray that, that you would help us as a congregation to know you more, to love you deeper, to serve you greater, that, that our obedience would be, would be evident, Lord, as we, as we serve you, and that our giving would be lavish as we don't hold back from you, and we, we give you our whole entire lives. We just say like those people did to the disciples, Jesus wants it, you can have it. Here it is. Give him everything I have. And Lord, we can watch you do a miracle of multiplication. Oh God, we pray for a miracle of multiplication, not for our glory, not for our glory, for, for heaven, for eternity, for souls that you created, for people who you love, who need to know you as their Savior. Oh God, be with us this morning as we just worship in the love of God, as we respond to you with open hearts. Help us to surrender our lives to you this morning. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name.